0: Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about the coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest cozy mystery releases. We'll be diving into the latest episode after these quick messages. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. If you want to help support the podcast be sure to join our patreon we have different tiers to choose from to get weekly exclusive episodes membership in our book club and podcast merch you can even choose the coziest supporter tier and receive a monthly get cozy book box which includes one paperback copy of your choice from a selection of books by get cozy podcast guest authors to join visit patreon.com slash get cozy podcast You can also sign up for our newsletter to have a list of the week's coziest mystery deals delivered right to your inbox every Monday. We do get a commission for all books bought through our links, so by buying books, you're supporting the podcast. Sign up on our website, GetCozyPod.com, and while you're there, be sure to check out our podcast merch. Finally, if you'd like to donate to the show on a one-time or recurring basis, you can do that via Venmo at GetCozyPod. Thanks so much for your support. You listeners are the heart of the show, and I couldn't do any of it without you. Hi, hello, my cozy friends. Welcome back to Get Cozy Podcast. I hope you're all having a wonderful day so far, and I hope that today's episode makes your day even better because we have a fan favorite cozy author on the show today, and I'm so, so excited to have her with us. Ellery Adams is a USA Today and New York Times bestselling author. She's written over 40 novels and can't imagine spending a day away from the keyboard, which is something all of us readers are tremendously grateful for. And when she's not working on her next novel, she bakes, gardens, drinks vats of coffee, spoils her three cats, and searches for snacks. So welcome to the show, Ellery. Thank you so much for having me. I am delighted and honored to be
1: here, and I'm hoping that my cat, who is eyeing the keyboard, stays away for the moment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my cat likes to yell um, when I start talking to people, so hopefully the cats will behave, but I'm just so excited to have you.
1: I'm glad to be here, and I've got to admit, I'm a little curious about your cat yelling. I I kind of, in a little way, want it to happen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she she's got a weird jealousy, jealousy thing when we talk to people or if my husband plays video games and puts on his headset. So hopefully she'll behave. Aww, she doesn't crossed. want to be ignored. She exactly. will not be ignored. Exactly. So uh today we're gonna to be talking about the secret Book and Scone Society, the Vanishing Type, your latest book just came out in April. I absolutely loved it. It's my favorite in the series so far, and I do want to discuss it, but we will be sure to keep the conversation spoiler-free for any of our listeners who haven't started the series just yet. Um, But Ellery, do you want to kick us off by telling everyone what this delightfully bookish series is all about?
1: I would love to. Um, Let's just talk about the series in general, and first and foremost, the Secret Book and Scone Society book's they are about friendship. That's the core theme of these novels. Um, a lot of people are like, well, shouldn't the mystery come first? And in my mind, these books are, they're kind of like a rescue pet. They're mm-hmm. they are a mixed breed. They're part mystery, part women's fiction, with a little dash of uh, magical realism and romance. So they don't kind of really fit in any particular genre pigeonhole because they're kind of, a—I think, personally, a delightful mishmash, but I mean, they're really about four women of different ages from different walks of life who are brought together through the death of a stranger. And all four of them are fairly closed off people. They, they, they're high functioning, they're successful, but they don't have close female relationships. And that's because they all have secrets to protect And as they work together to solve the death of this stranger and solve the mystery of his passing, they slowly come to trust each other. And it's that trust and their shared love of books and, of course, food that leads to healing and this burgeoning of a friendship and a very one-of-a-kind book club.
0: I love the way that you described the vibe of these books because for me they are just like the definition of a comfort read um the town in the series is called miracle springs and people go there to seek healing Um, and I feel like reading these books is like a healing experience they're like a warm hug they're so cozy and you just like walk away feeling so uplifted
1: That's great. That's exactly what the intention is. So that's wonderful. There's supposed to be like a a blanket, a a hot mug of tea, a warm scone that was made by somebody who loves you, a grandmother or a mom. That's, that's what I'm hoping the feel is when you walk away that, you know, we all wish that a miracle springs existed. And Mm -hmm. in some ways we can find that in individuals. And in some ways we can find that in fiction and, and either one is valid.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure you've heard this feedback from many readers, but your writing style has such a beautiful quality to it. The prose and the pacing, it almost makes you feel like you're inside a Jane Austen novel. Um, and even though the vibe of your books is still very contemporary, it does have that classic feel to it. So is your writing style something that you intentionally developed over time? Or is that writing voice just how you naturally write?
1: Um, I don't think it's intentional, but it's definitely developed over time. I am always growing and trying to improve as a writer and as a human being. And I do read reviews and take constructive criticism from my readers to heart. I don't. I don't take things personally or get upset, but I really try to have an open mind about um, when people leave negative reviews about what bothered them to try to you know, weigh whether that's something I should consider in the future. And I have often made changes based on those reviews. Um, now, I think my voice is kind of a combination of having read a lot of classic novels and a bunch of self-editing. But as I'm writing, I kind of hear this cadence in my mind, so to speak. It's, it's kind of like the rhythm of my writing. And you know, I'm working on, gosh, book 42 right now. And so after all this time, it's a rhythm that's become familiar. And if a sentence doesn't feel right, I just go back and I pick at it and pick at it, almost like if you were knitting something and you needed to pick at a row or go back and, and pick at a stitch and, you know, any kind of sewing work that, um, and then re-sew, that's kind of what I do with my sentences if they don't feel like they're fitting into the regular cadence. mm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I definitely feel like your writing style is part of the reason why your books do have such a comforting vibe to them. Um, they're very soothing for the heart, and for the mind. And you know, like we said, they're like curling up in a favorite blanket. And that language and cadence that you mentioned, for me at least, is a really big part of that.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, I know it's not for everybody and that's okay because every book isn't for every person. And that's why it's so amazing that there are so many books out there for all of us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I also just absolutely fell in love with the members of the secret book and scone society just from the get go. So do you want to tell our listeners about who each of the members is? And then I'm also curious to find out if you have a favorite to write.
1: Well, we've got four women, and I set them up so that each one had a special talent, so to speak, like a female superpower, and that's Mm -hmm. where I kind of get to incorporate some of the magical realism into the novels. So I'm going to leave out last names just to keep things simple and and easier to remember, because I don't know about the rest of you, but my memory is not what it used to be. (laughs) with book characters, I'll finish the book, and then two days later, somebody will ask me who the main character was, and I'll go, um, Uh give me a minute (laughs) to look it up on my phone. Um, So we've got June and she is at at the beginning of the series, the manager of the thermal pools and Miracle Springs is a place with hot springs, healing mineral springs, which have been around for over a thousand years or they've been around longer than that, but they've been visited by people for healing for over a thousand years. So she runs that and her kind of superpower is that she always knows the right thing to say, which is, is not me. When I'm in an uncomfortable situation, I cannot find the right words.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I've, I've always been amazed by people who, who can do that, who can visit somebody in a hospital and have the right things to say where, you know, so many of us just freeze up and feel awkward or uncomfortable. That's kind of her superpower. And then Estella's superpower is that she owns the Magnolia um, salon and spa, and she makes women feel beautiful. And sometimes somebody will say to me, well, I don't really think that, uh, you know, a hairdresser is, has a superpower. And I'm like, then you haven't been in a hair salon recently because the, the feeling of have somebody kind of transform you with a haircut or a color or by doing your nails or by giving you a facial, that is no joke to women. Uh-huh. We like feel, walking out of those salons, feeling like a million bucks and having confidence. And yeah, that and- is a, definitely a gift. Um, And then we've got Hester. Hester is the owner of the Gingerbread House Bakery. And she, her superpower is that she's able to make these custom comfort scones. And I really have a good time writing her because I love food and I love baking. And and I get to kind of channel my secret baker through her. I would never want to own a bakery because they have to get up way too early. (laughs) Yeah. But I definitely love baking and I love to eat. (laughs) <laughs> baked goods. So um, the idea of food kind of having a healing power, I 100% believe in. I mean that ch- we have chicken noodle soup when we have colds for a reason because it actually does help. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're not when you're feeling down, and somebody who loves you makes you something, I think you can feel the love in the food. And that was the idea behind the comfort scones. And then Nora, who owns Miracle Books, and is probably the most scarred inward and outward of the four characters her superpower is bibliotherapy and that is basically that she does matchmaking with readers and books like many of us do but she tries to curate that matchmaking to help them on the road to healing and sometimes that means that they have to read books that that actually hurt that kind of also make them realize that they're not alone in whatever struggle they're in. And sometimes when you realize that, it's not an easy thing. The The road to healing is never like a straight path. You kind of have to go over a bunch of bumps first. And she kind of helps them through that with books.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I uh, I just loved all of these characters. Um, and for me, it's really unusual, weirdly, for me to like a main character the most in a novel. Uh, I don't know why that is, but in The Secret Book and Scone Society, Nora is my favorite. Um, I, I do love them all, but I just think there's something about Nora's resiliency that really speaks to me and from what I've heard to other readers as well.
1: Well, that is really great to know. It's She is uh, my mom's least favorite character. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, it doesn't bother me. This is just my mom. She has uh, no filter, but she's uh-huh. like, you know, Nora just can solve way too many problems. I'm like, she can solve too many bookish problems, but in, in the real world, you know, she's got problems of her own. So she, she's certainly not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I said, you know, mom, you're a reader. You know that that books can really fix a lot of what ails us. And if not, just being around bookish people, that does it too.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. And you kind of touched on bibliotherapy already, but it is a really important element in the story. Um, And I've heard of it before. I was really excited to see it in the novels. Uh, But let's dig a little deeper into that. Can you tell us more about what bibliotherapy is?
1: Sure. So bibliotherapy has been around for a really, really long time. As a matter of fact, the first kind of documented example of it is in ancient Egypt, and in the time of Ramses II, there was a huge library, you know, and it's all filled with scrolls and papyri, and it was kind of the center for learning for the entire civilization, and in hieroglyphs over the door, if you translate those, it means that the healing temple for the soul so the idea was that if you wanted your soul to heal, you would enter the library. And how appropriate is that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think we can identify with that. And that that idea has grown over the centuries, um, even to like World War One. That's when bibliotherapy was was really kind of became more mainstreamed. So. The soldiers were coming home from the front, and they had injuries, both emotional and physical. And the nurses in the battlefield were learning that if they could distract these guys with stories, they would actually heal better. Wow. So they gave them adventure stories like Rudyard Kipling, and um, there was a series by an author called Nat Gold, which was featured a lot of horse racing But it was basically all these stories that took these guys out of their minds and gave them this fictional adventure. And in all of these adventures, like the good guys come out on top at the end. And so they get this big dose of like hope and justice and victory. And it was just the perfect medicine for these guys. Mm -hmm. And like, we learned a lot about the power of books and their ability to heal from that war. And now they're being used in veterans' hospitals and Head Start programs and drug addiction programs. And, you know, I think we do it on a day-to-day basis with our friends. If our friend is down, sometimes we'll find a book that we know will perk them up and give that to them. That's us performing bibliotherapy.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah. I I never get tired of it. The story, like the power of stories to heal, is just incredible. And I love that you really dig into that in these novels. Um, because I do feel like stories have the power to help us heal. I know I reach for cozies when I need comfort and emotional healing. Uh, they just help us feel less alone with our struggles and to empathize with other people and grow as human beings. Like stories are magic.
1: Absolutely. And with cozies, I think one of the greatest things about a cozy is that it's the every man who is making things better. It's a community. Of regular people, you know, even if there are paranormal elements or you have a talking cat, that doesn't matter because it's still really people who could live next door to you who want, you know, seek justice and want to get together with their fellow man and their neighbors. And they want things to come out right in the end. And it does. And you know that starting the book, that all of these bad things are going on, but that. Just your average Jane or Joe can make a difference. And that's what we all want to believe, that all of us can make a difference. And we can. And cozy say, yes, that's true. And that is the beauty and power of a Cozy. And that's why I always try to tell people who have never read one, who are just like, oh, these are just these silly, light, fluffy. And I'm like, well, they may have that side to them, but they also have a very deeply inspirational and hopeful side, which I think anyone could benefit from.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. I love that perspective. And, you know, I I feel like sometimes exactly what people's hearts need is that light and fluffy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we can discount um, how healing that is for people. Exactly. And if
1: if any of those of you who are listening are looking for Book suggestions for a, a typical, or not a typical, for a particular topic, like you ha- you know someone who is going through an illness or you know someone who is estranged from a family member or you know someone who really is not into their job right now. Um, if you go to my website, I have a whole list of suggested reads per topic. So if you're looking for bibliotherapy lists and they're printable, so... If you need help with anything like that, I hope I've got it on there and if there's a topic I don't, please reach out to me and I'll try to add it to the next book.
0: That's amazing. And I love that uh you and Nora are kind of sharing that um experience of trying to help other people heal with book recommendations. That's wonderful.
1: Thanks. That's it's that's pretty fun. It's pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, another thing that I thought was so fun in these books was that Nora has a bunch of different quirky mugs for each of her customers to choose from when they order drinks. Uh, So if you were going to order a drink at Miracle Books, what would your mug say? Well, this is actually a really
1: easy answer because I got the idea for the pegboard full of mugs when um, a friend of mine sent me. Uh, it's this really pretty like teal mug and it says talk Darcy to me because <laughs> I'm a big Jane Austen fan and I reread Jane Austen every year uh, not necessarily every book every year but um, I kind of have these anniversary reads and of course I've watched every version of every movie ever made uh-huh. um, and I so when I got that, I thought, wouldn't it be so cool if you walked into a bookstore and I like the um, the kind of greenness of it, too, like not to have all of those cups that are getting thrown out all the time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're doing a takeout, you need a takeout cup. But if you were just I noticed that when I'm in a, a small bookstore, like an indie bookstore, and they've got reading chairs, I really want to sit down with a real Mug. I don't want a paper cup. I want it to feel like I'm at home in a chair, you know, testing out some books. And that just, it just feels cozier to me if it's a real mug and not paper. So I thought it would be funny if she had this whole group of like from snarky to kids mugs to Mm -hmm. bookish mugs. I, if I could do that in my house, I totally would, but there's four of us and only two of us drink coffee. So I'm not sure who would use all those mugs, but
0: (laughs) I love that. I would probably pick that mug too. I am also a huge Jane Austen fan. Um, and I, I really also thought the mug was really funny that said never cross a woman who reads Stephen King. And I was just like, that's great advice. <laughs> and honestly, I think every
1: mug that I've ever mentioned in, in any of my books is available on Etsy. And you know what? This just gives me an idea that I should start doing like mug giveaways that were in the books because People always bring them up to me and I kind of forget, you know, where I've seen them, but Uh I need to start tracking them down and posting them because I think like readers, there's a universal love of coffee mugs and teacups. We just, you know, so many of us are attracted to those. It's just part of who we are. It's just like we like snacks. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like you mentioned, like a a warm mug of coffee or tea just like sets the the cozy vibe that we're trying to achieve by reading these books. So they just go hand in hand perfectly.
1: Exactly.
0: So in The Vanishing Type, Hester says book friends are the best friends. So what do you think it is about reading a book together that builds such strong bonds between people?
1: Well, I think you definitely hit on that earlier and I agree one million percent that readers are more empathetic people than non-readers. And this is not an insult to non-readers at all. I just think that the more that we read, the more that we learn to put ourselves in other people's shoes. And, you know, you can say, well, those are fictional shoes, but it's still a real story. It's it's by being able to connect with characters, we are in a way connecting with authors also, and mm-hmm. fellow readers. So this is, becomes this big, powerful book community. And sometimes we'll see on there, people get a little strident with their opinions. and They're very passionate about their favorite books and they don't want to hear anything said against them. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of love that about them. But I also love that these book commun- people in book communities are always open to falling in love with new books and it's this kind of empathy and openness and connection that makes readers so special. And I think that all of us realize that we'll we'll never truly be lonely as long as we have books because the books, the stories themselves ease our loneliness and then our ability to reach out to strangers online and connect with them over books also kind of beats off loneliness. So mm-hmm. To me, one of the themes of all of my books is that loneliness is a very dangerous, probably the most dangerous and threatening disease that we face as humankind. Mm -hmm. And any way that we can figure out how to battle it, we need to keep pushing. And books, to me, are one of the biggest ways to battle loneliness.
0: I agree completely. Um, My friend and I actually partnered with our local indie bookstore here in Salt Lake, um, the King's English Bookshop. To start a book oh my club. Gosh, that's my
1: mother-in-law's favorite bookshop. That's where she is it? my books.
0: Oh yep. my goodness, that's my amazing! My from
1: Salt Lake. I don't know if I told you that.
0: No, that's uh-huh. such a fun connection.
1: Yeah, so I've been there before. I, it's a wonderful bookstore. I love Salt. Not to get on a tangent, but I You're love fine. Salt Lake it's a City. I think it's one of it is. Guys, if you have never been there to visit, you need to go. It is so beautiful and the people are so kind
0: it is beautiful i i always um if you've seen the hunger games and you've seen the way the capital looks in those movies with you know the city and the giant mountains in the background like that's what salt lake looks like the people are definitely not like the people in the capital but it just looks like that it's absolutely beautiful
1: Yes. It is, it's stunning. Yeah. Uh, my mother-in-law lives on Mount Olympus. So she has a really great view. And I just, I love the name of where she lives. Yeah. I'm like, you're
0: like up here with Zeus. and That's so funny. So you need to come do a book event for us at the King's English then. I do. I haven't been there for
1: years. I did, um, Paige Shelton and I did a signing when she lived in, in uh, Salt Lake years ago at a uh-huh. Barnes and Noble. And we had a great time. So, but yeah, that was, it was a long time ago, probably over 10 years.
0: Yeah, that would be so fun. Let me know if you want to. I, I do help them with their author events. Um, I'll, I'll I'll moderate them oh, for them. Yeah, all right, we're just yeah. going to, we're going to
1: put that in the pipe and smoke that later because
0: I am, I'm down for that. Yeah, that would be so great. Um, and I've just like, I've met so many amazing authors and readers through that bookstore And they've just become like my best friends in the world. It's like a found family. And I just think that there's something about reading a book together and having that shared experience that just like helps you form tight bonds with people.
1: Absolutely. You already know they're decent human beings from the get-go because they're reading books. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just because like you said, like reading does just make us more empathetic people. And it's it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. So Sheldon is a character who I just love in the series. He works at Miracle Books, and I thought it was so funny when he mentioned that he was anti-movie tie-in cover. <laughs> yeah. That was really subtle, wasn't it? <laughs> I know, I read that and I was like, yep, absolutely. So and I do feel like most of us avid readers agree with him a million percent. So what's your opinion?
1: Oh my gosh, I wish they would stop making them. I mean, <laughs> The book is always better than the movie, A. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, 99% of the time. And B, you know, readers, we don't want to see the movie poster. Like, we don't mm-hmm. care about, you know, we're, we're not fangirl or fanboy over the actors. We are fanning over the story. right. And we have our own idea in our heads of who those, like, the characters should look like. And sometimes, especially if they're miscast, it just, ugh, we see that cover, we're just like, this is ugly.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, yeah, his pet peeves are pretty much all my pet peeves. So whenever he <laughs> complains about, like, movie tie-in covers or stickers... Um, I don't like that. I don't like mm-hmm. big logos on books, like that book of the month does. Or right. I mean, I love Reese. I love you. I love Jenna, but I don't like those big logos on the cover of the books because to me, that's insulting to the book cover designer too. Like we right. designed this beautiful cover, and you're going to splash this big old graphic on there or slap a sticky sticker on there. Like, no, we love our books. Get that stuff off of there and leave the movie cover tie-ins. Like, just leave them on the posters. They don't belong on the books.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent. Uh, and I feel like those movie tie-in covers are designed more to try to get movie fans to try to pick up books, and they're not designed at all with readers in mind. So they're definitely yeah, I a wonder pet wonder if thief.
1: that works. If that works, that's great. If somebody reads a book because... You know, they like an actor or something. That's a win. I just, mm-hmm. I wonder. Like, I wonder what what the point of those originally was.
0: Like, I I would always rather them put that money into you know marketing other books than to just try to sell more copies of books exactly. that are already and selling there's, there's millions.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And if there's a book that only comes out in like the movie cover tie-in, I will. Go on abebooks.com and find one, like a vintage one, and buy that one. I'd rather have a used vintage one than a new movie tie-in cover. That's how strongly I feel about those.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I I am with you. Uh, I they just they never go with our aesthetic, right? Like <laughs> we exactly. both do books They, to book they never match. They're
1: All wrong. They're
0: uh-huh. like the island of
1: misfit books. Poor little guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, So reading your books, it feels like walking into a book lover's daydream. They're always bookish and delightfully whimsical. And I also adore all the book recommendations and references you include. It's obvious how much you adore literature. So have you been a lifelong reader? I have. I mean, I I can't
1: remember a time where I wasn't reading before bed or I don't know, reading on a sofa somewhere. Um, both my parents were readers. Um, <clears throat> both my brothers were readers. My grandparents were readers. I think when you grow up and you see a parent reading, it really influences you. But I mm-hmm. also had just, I can never say enough about the amazing teachers that I had in my life. And I also had an absolutely magical town librarian. We lived in a very small town. We could we could bike to our library And this woman, she understood that kids our age, this was me on late 70s, early 80s, we were super into stickers. Uh (laughs) And she, you know, not stickers on books, but just, you know, cute stickers to put in a sticker book or whatever. She totally got that. And she would create these charts, like if you read seven uh, mystery books, then you get a mystery sticker at the end of your chart. And man, I would have done anything for those stickers. Yeah. But yes. I also loved the books. And then she would ask us, you know, well, tell me a few things that you liked about the books. And so she got us to kind of learn how to verbalize what what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it so much. It was almost like she was teaching us at a really young age how to be reviewers. Mm-hmm. And so she was just, she was a huge influence. I would spend a lot of my time, especially over the summers, biking to the library. And, you know, she was just a friend to readers of all ages. I mean, that's, uh, librarians are are superheroes and so are teachers. And I really Mm -hmm. had just amazing ones that were always kind of telling me, well, you know, it sounds to me like you might like this book and whatever they would recommend, I would read. So I think I was just kind of a big sponge Um, That's one of the things I love about the social media book community Excuse me, is that I'm always so curious about what everybody else is reading. And if Uh somebody really fell in love with something, I kind of want to check it out. And I will read every genre except um, the only romance that I read is kind of classical romance because my favorite part about romance is the part, everything that leads up kind of to like the first kiss. After that... I don't really want to read about it anymore. Right. I just like I like the whole tension and the courting and the possibilities and mm-hmm. the you know just like Jane Austen where things go awry and you're just like you have to get back together. So I'm a romantic, but I don't like most rom- most romance novels that kind of get too deep into the relationship part of it. Uh-huh. But I, I will read every other Genre, including horror and sci fi and fantasy, really nothing's off limits.
0: I love that. What a neat story. I absolutely agree that librarians are superheroes. My sister in law works at a library, Yay! and yeah, and like what a great example of how books and librarians can make such a massive impact on someone's life.
1: Absolutely, I, w- I would not have been a writer without teachers and librarians.
0: That's amazing. So another thing that I love about The Vanishing Type was that you included clues to solving the murder mystery in book covers, and I thought that was such a fun touch. So where did the inspiration for that idea come from?
1: So I'm a book collector, in addition to being a reader and a writer. Books, obviously, are such a huge part of my life, and I really get super geeky about them, which mm-hmm. is fine. I think, I think that geeks and nerds are the most interesting people, and I'm definitely one of them. Um, so I was looking back to Jane Austen again. I was every now and then I will Google the, um, Peacock edition of Pride and Prejudice just to see how much it's going for these days. It's, it's, and it's always crazy. I think that the cheapest one I've seen recently was like $3,500 and it was pretty beat up. Oh my goodness. Um, But that doesn't stop me from looking, you know, it's like (laughs) how, how some of us will just look at cookbooks. It's just something we just, we don't care if we're going to cook the meals or not. We just love looking at cookbooks. I'm Uh one of those too. So um, sometimes I'll just go online and I'll, I'll look up vintage books that I know I'm never going to buy, but I just kind of want to window shop. And that led me kind of down this rabbit hole because I wanted to re look up other books that that designer, the peacock guy, Hugh Thompson had designed. And I came across this article about female book designers in like the Victorian age and then the golden age of book designing in America, which was like 1890 to, to 1920. Wow. And during this time period, none of these designers got any credit. I mean, if you go to the copyright page, you would be publisher, author, date, and location. Uh-huh. But no one else who had anything else to do with the book was ever included or very rarely So some of these guys and gals eventually started hiding symbols or their own initials or like some sort of little code that represented their style in the book covers. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And so I started just randomly researching hidden type which is what the vanishing type means. If you can't see it, it's kind of vanished. So this hidden type in the book covers. And I thought, my gosh, this would be such a cool idea to incorporate into a mystery. And I don't want to go any far farther than that because I don't want to spoil it. But
0: mm-hmm. it is yeah. a
1: very integral part of the mystery in vanishing type.
0: That is so... Cool. Like I assumed there was some kind of like bookish inspiration there, but I didn't know it had such real world connections and uh, history in the in the book world. That is amazing. I love that.
1: Yeah. I'm going to do a video about them because I I've, I've bought a bunch of books to take with me on book talks about the vanishing types so I could kind of pass them around the room so that people could look for these things in uh-huh. the book covers. And you know, there are, some of them are, are, Pretty obvious, and then some of them are a little bit harder to find. And occasionally, you'll actually need a magnifying glass. And, and I didn't buy any of those because they were really pricey. Uh huh. But um, to see them in person is is really to think there's this whole other world that was going on with vintage books and books design book design that you know most people are just not aware of because if you're not a collector or if you're not reading about that certain time period, why would you know? And and I just thought. Yeah, you know, books are so cool that they're constantly surprising me.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so neat. That's just like one more thing for us book lovers to geek out over. Right? Like, I
1: know that's yeah. exactly. I love. I live for that kind of stuff.
0: It's so cool. Like, I have the day off work today, so I'm definitely going to spend a, probably a ridiculous amount of time now researching Victorian book covers. That's so cool.
1: And I'll just, I'll just send you a link so you can go straight to the heart of it. That, that'll be much easier. <laughs>
0: that would be wonderful, and uh, we'll definitely share it um, on our Get Cozy podcast social media when we air this as well so our listeners oh that's a good idea so people can see them yeah I mean I'm sure
1: that like you know you like maps and books and, Mm -hmm. and illustrations I'm you know I think we all we love that any extra element yeah I think we're all here for it you know
0: I agree. Like it's so fun um, to kind of, you know, put on our own amateur sleuthing cap while we're reading books and look for Easter eggs and hidden things and just more information that we can learn while we're, while we're reading. So that's so cool.
1: It is, it is.
0: So you are definitely an author who always has multiple projects going on. You seem to stay very busy all the time. So can you tell us anything about what you're working on right now? I definitely
1: can. Um, I just finished the final edits for um, Murder on the Post Path, which is the next book retreat mystery. And so that's coming out actually on my mom's birthday, which is September 27th. Oh, wow. So that's all ready to go. It should be uh, actually, I think the ARCs are, I mean, the NetGalley, they're on NetGalley. So if Uh if you guys are on NetGalley and you want to apply for that, they are ready to go. And um, I am trying to finish up, I'm on the last couple chapters of the next Secret Book and Scrum Society, and it is called Paper Cuts. And I'm trying to think how much I can tell you about this one. All I will say is that, I mean, it's so hard to talk about this one without spoiling the the very shocking thing that happens in here. So Mm -hmm. I'll just say that this is a kind of complications- regarding families in this one and um unfortunately Nora is going to find herself um, a suspect and it's it's really a serious situation and her friends are going to have to really work hard to get her out of this and it's very complicated because she is dating the sheriff and he really can't be involved in the case and he can't help her he has got to do his job and yeah there's a lot going on.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, I actually did just get the advanced copy of Murder on the Poet's Path on NetGalley. So a huge thank you to Kensington for that. I can't wait to pick it up. And I would love to have you on the show again when it comes out so we can chat about that series as oh, well. of course. Yeah. That's definitely another love book to. lover series. It is. I'd,
1: um, somebody had posted, I saw someplace on Instagram that they said, well, this is the last book retreat and that is definitely not true i'll be starting the next one in july so if you see that floating around um you know sometimes it's just a mistake but it's it's not Mm -hmm. the last and um for those of you who are wondering about the future of the secret book and scone society i just signed a contract for three more so we will definitely be doing seven eight and nine over the next couple of years so
0: good that's news amazing yeah congratulations to you and congratulations Thanks. to us readers that's wonderful news we always love to hear there's more books coming out in our favorite series
1: yeah I feel the same way I always get so sad when things end and it's always for so many different reasons but um Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard when a series doesn't have closure and you have to walk away i think
0: it's hard for everybody the authors included yeah yeah it definitely is so that's that's wonderful and our uh get cozy listeners love book recommendations so before we wrap up do you want to leave us with a cozy mystery reading recommendation
1: sure um i just happen to be lucky enough to be reading um The next book, well, it's not coming out yet, so I'm going to write a a blurb for it because I know I'm going to love it because I always love her books. Uh Lauren Elliott's new um, Beyond the Page bookshop mystery. So for those of you who are book lovers, um, I always point people to that one or to Lorna Barrett's Booktown series. So, you know, because I like bookish themed books myself. Mm -hmm. So those are two series you can never go wrong with as a book lover or if you want books that are set in a bookshop.
0: Those are great recommendations. I uh, I love those series. So I'm really excited for that to come out and to see your blurb. That's really cool. Oh, and also
1: Jen McKinley's uh, library. Oh love yes, mysteries. love those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's also she's just a wonderful human being. So I, yeah, I always want to support her and whatever she does. She's she's just a, a great person. Well,
0: I I also love her her series. So those are those are great recommendations. Thanks for sharing those. Absolutely. Like we talked about earlier, the latest book in the Secret Book and Scone Society, The Vanishing Type, is out now, and then Murder on the Poet's Path. Uh, The next book in Ellery's Book Retreat Mystery Series will be out on September 27th. Um, But before we sign off, Ellery, I'm sure some of our listeners are going to want to connect with you online. So can you tell us where they can find you? Oh, I would love to. So I'm
1: on Facebook under Ellery Adams author. And I am the most active on Instagram, and it's really easy to find me there. You just type in at the at sign. I don't even know what the official name for that is. I should know. You know, the A with the circle. Yeah. The circular A, um, and the words Ellery Adams, just just as one word. And then, of course, I've got a website, and that's ElleryAdamsMysteries.com, and that's where you'll find any information about new releases and all of those bibliotherapy lists. And I also, if you have a book club and you're looking for discussion questions, I always post them for every book there and they've got a little button that makes them printable. So it should make life a little bit easier for you. Um, and if there's anything else you ever need from me, you can find me somewhere on social media and send me a message. I try to reply to everybody within 24 hours if I can. Um, and I really, I do love to interact with people. So I'm super open to communication
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for being here with us today, Ellery. It was seriously so much fun getting to chat with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I just, I wanted to say thank you for hosting this and thank you to all the cozy readers out there. Every time I have a new book out, you keep my dreams coming true over and over again. I get to do exactly what I want and it's because of you. And I'm incredibly grateful.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, like Ellery said, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for reading. We will be back soon with another episode of Get Cozy Podcast. That's all for today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Get Cozy Podcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy.